What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. I thought we were going to have just a normal recap, only to find out that Wisconsin fired head football coach Paul Christ after losing to Illinois 34-10, dropping the Badgers to 2-3 and on the season and 0-2 in the Big Ten, making them the sole possessor of last place in the Big Ten West. If you like the podcast, make sure to follow and subscribe uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave a review. Send me an email. Uh, I, uh, I special shout-out to Jim Ebersol, who again sent me an email uh, talking about Penn State and their game against Northwestern. Grateful for you, brother. Thanks for your, uh, for your kind words and your support. I'm going to jump right in to Paul Christ, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the other teams, uh, including uh, Mickey Joseph's successful win against Indiana. Really, really, I, I feel really good about Nebraska, for Nebraska fans, that they got to enjoy a win at home with their interim coach. But I want to talk about Paul Christ for a hot second here. I... Honestly, I I got onto Twitter and saw the news and I couldn't I couldn't believe it. Like there were a lot of fans that were calling for Paul Chris to be fired because of the product they were putting on the field. And I, you know, when I saw it, I was like, I think people are just they feel like he's getting stale, which I I like I understand that. Like Wisconsin's gotten stale. But I, I man, I'm just really shocked like honestly really really shocked at this firing and part of the reason why i'm i'm shocked by it is just looking at paul chris past success which quite honestly you know up until the past few years he's been in line with Brett Bielema, Brett Bielema, like he's, I think, the guy that you compare him to, you know, Brett Bielema in, I think, eight years had 68 wins. Paul Christ is in his eighth year and he has 67 wins. And you look at his his resume, he has four seasons of 10 wins or more. He had four finishes in the top 25, including two in the top 10. He won at least a share of the West three times and was in went to three consecutive Big Ten championship or not consecutive three Big Ten championship games, and really, if I think people are frustrated the last three years where they haven't been to the Big Ten championship game, and presumably they're not going to get to the Big Ten championship unless there's mass chaos in the West, which at this point that's what it looks like, but. You know, 2020, they went four and three, but that was COVID year. Last year, they went nine and four and they tied for second in the West. 
And then this year they got to a really bad start. Oh, man, I don't know. I think my question is, what what do you expect at Wisconsin? What do you expect at Wisconsin? This is a young team with a quarterback who I think everybody thought was good, but is, you know, Graham Mertz has been okay. He's been hit or miss. He's been really good against bad teams. He has not been very good against decent teams. It's just a reality. He is he has been subpar against good teams. So you have a quarterback issue. You just installed a new offensive coordinator to upgrade the offense. I I, I feel like this is, you know, I, I was very pro. I was very pro firing Scott Frost early because it there was a trend. I felt like this, there's no trend for this. Right? Like he was, aside from the COVID year, aside from 2020, which I I just don't think you can, COVID is different than than everything else, right? So you got to throw 2020 out because different teams manage that well or poorly. And like Pat Fitzgerald won the West. And a big part of that is because they somehow had the secret formula to never have anyone test positive for COVID. And then they, they stink. They've stunk. They stunk the year before COVID, and they they stunk in twenty twenty one, and they stink this year. No offense to Northwestern fans, but twenty twenty two they start two and three, and I get it. You lose thirty four to ten to Illinois. Illinois looks good. Like they beat they beat the brakes off of Virginia by twenty one points. Like, and I know Virginia is not great, but that. You know, that's a non-conference team that you you would think, oh, Virginia is probably going to win. They're probably going to be at, you know, maybe a 500 team or better. And they beat the heck out of them. And now Illinois goes into Camp Randall, beats the brakes off of Wisconsin. Brett Bielema knows that program. He, you know, helped sustain that program and made it made it really good. And now you're going to you're going to fire Paul Christ. It just feels too reactionary. It feels like. Wisconsin was like, well, we're not going to win the West. We wanted to make a change, so this is our excuse to make a change. And I just, it just feels too early. Like, I think, why not give him the rest of the year and see if he can turn it around? Because he's got a young team, right? Like, he, he did not have a lot of experience coming back. So, I, I don't know. I, I felt like... I understood that the, the fan sentiment was against Paul Christ. Now, Jim Leonard is going to be the interim, which honestly, I feel like that is not the most helpful way for him to come in if they're going to try to make him the head coach, which I think might be the case because he's he's a top three defensive coordinator in the country. Like He's really good at what he does. But now you've got to you've got to measure up. And look, Wisconsin Wisconsin's schedule is not easy the rest of the way. And now Jim Leonard has to manage this. So they they get Northwestern. That's that's good. Michigan State, I think that's probably good too, but I don't know if they beat Michigan State, quite honestly. I I don't know. Neither team is playing up to what at least the media thought they would be. 
Then they get Purdue, Maryland, at Iowa, at Nebraska, and then home against Minnesota. Listen, at Iowa is not easy. At Nebraska, with some of the momentum that Mickey Joseph is is bringing, that's not easy. And you're you're setting Jim Leonard. If Jim Leonard doesn't get this, you can make the argument that well, then Jim Leonard shouldn't be the guy. But are you ready to to lose not just your head coach but your defensive coordinator? Like this this feels like Nebraska firing Bo Pelini. It, it that's what it feels like. Whereas Bo Pelini wasn't good, he wasn't good enough to meet the expectations that Nebraska's used to. And because of it, they're like, well, we want somebody else. And the somebody else was a lot worse. First was Mike Riley, and then they went out and got Scott Frost, and that was a disaster. And I I am nervous that this could be a disaster for Wisconsin. Listen, I, I get it. But but and here's the other thing. What happens if Illinois ends up going nine and three? And like you, you fired your coach over possibly losing to one of the maybe one of the best teams in the West. They had a young team with a quarterback who they have not figured out how to use well. Which is not great. But I just don't know how you ignore the first five years of Paul Christ's tenure and just focus on 2020, 2021, and 2022, which quite honestly, 2020, you've got to throw out. In 2021, they won nine games. He's 6-1 and one in bowls. And that includes New Year's Six Bowls. And I get, one, I get it. One of them was against Western Michigan. I get it. But still, like it's not like Wisconsin. Like This is, this is a clear move. For Wisconsin to fire their head coach because they they think there's a regression happening. And I just I just don't think there's enough there yet. Right? I wanted Scott Frost fired because there was no improvement from year one to year two and then to year two to year three. And so COVID became part of the subset that I was like, this is not good. That's not the case with Paul Christ. Like, Paul Christ has beat good teams, right? And so this feels like, well, this feels like a panic move because Wisconsin wants to get to the elite status, especially as USC and UCLA get, you know, get going. I don't know. This, I, I could be way off here. So I'm going to hedge a little bit, which I know I, – I, I just think – and I, I get it. He, they're not performing the way that they wanted them to. I am just afraid that this was a panic firing because the expectations were honestly too high for Wisconsin because that's Wisconsin's reputation. And you know who got Wisconsin's reputation there? Paul Christ. They are presumably the favorite in the West every year. Why? Because of what Paul Christ has built. On, on on the backs of what Barry Alvarez built, on the back of what Brett Bielema built. I get that. He's not, he didn't found it, he didn't start it. But everybody assumed, even though it made no sense to me, why they were the favorite in the West. That's, I mean, that's, that's what everyone presumed. Well, Wisconsin's the favorite in the West. 
Why? Because you had eight starters coming back. I, like, I don't know what you expected. So I, I just think it's it's a dumb reactionary move. And I get fan Wisconsin fans, maybe you disagree with me. But the, I think my question is, is who do you think is going to be better? And if you think Jim Leonard is going to be the superstar coach, then maybe this is the right move. But you that better be what you think. And that better be what the the uh, the AD thinks, because otherwise, ugh, like I just oh man, I just oh, this just doesn't feel like a smart move. Like it just, mm. yeah. I, I yeah, I I don't agree with it at all. I I think it's too soon. I think if this was at the end of the year and they went four and eight, and there was no, like, there was too much stubbornness, then sure. But they're two and three, and they lost to Ohio State, and they lost to Illinois, and Illinois I think is pretty good. Which I, I'm gonna jump into the recap here of the games. Illinois is better. And I said it in the preseason that I thought they could get to eight wins this year. I would not be surprised if they did even better. Illinois is good. They've got a really good running back. Tommy DeVito's playing his butt off. They honestly should be 5-0 and at this point. Indiana stole a game from them. You know, good again, good for Tom Allen. They capitalized. But, like, Illinois is right now... A dark horse to win the West. They get Michigan State as a crossover. They get Michigan as a crossover. That's hard. Um, But I think they can beat Michigan State. I think they can beat Iowa. I think they can beat Nebraska. I think they like. I think they could possibly beat everybody else on their schedule except for Michigan. Now I don't think they will. I think Minnesota is tough. I think Iowa is going to be tough, particularly on defense. Um, I think at Nebraska is going to be tough with Mickey Joseph, you know, kind of instilling some toughness into that program. But I think eight wins is certainly on the table for Illinois. And listen, Bielema knows how to win the same way that Wisconsin was winning. Hard-nosed running game, smart quarterbacking, stout defense. They held Wisconsin to two yards rushing. That's absurd. Like the Illini, the, the the Illinois football program has a lot to be excited for. And here's the, the the kicker: is Illinois is in a place that you can recruit to because it's it's in Illinois, it's near Chicago. I I I'm really excited to see what Bielema does at a place like Illinois because I think. I think they're a team that if you have the right resources, you have the right coach, they can they can they can do some things. Right? They they I think they they have maybe more than anyone else in the West, they might actually have some cachet to be able to to, to really capitalize on their location. Um so I, I, I really am excited for Illinois to see what happens there. You know, speaking of the West, Purdue upset Minnesota. Mo Ibrahim did not 
did not go. That obviously was uh, rough. I, I think what was, I think one, I think Purdue, you know, they lost to two teams by, I think, a combined seven points. One is Penn State, who is, I think, a legitimate top 10 team, maybe a legitimate legitimate top, I won't say top five team. I, I'm going to slide them down a little bit in my top 10 because I think some other teams showed out a little bit more this week. But they, they lost by four to Penn State, and then they lost at Syracuse, and Syracuse is undefeated. Um, right now, they haven't beaten anybody really worth anything, you know, they, aside from Purdue. But I think Purdue is probably a little better than we expected. Uh, Aiden O'Connell played. That helps. And Minnesota didn't have Mo Ibrahim. And I think I think one thing about that as well with Mo Ibrahim or with with Minnesota is that PJ Fleck and granted it wasn't it wasn't Bowling Green but once or twice a season PJ Fleck coaches a game where you're just sitting there and you're like what are you doing like why did you make that decision and this is one of those games like I thought he coached a pretty poor game I thought he managed it poorly you know going for it early on on fourth down. It, where they were on the field, uh, some of the play calling late in the game, just thought it was it was bad. Tanner Morgan had a bad game. You know, obviously, I think Purdue's secondary is underrated, but I think a lot of props to Purdue. You know, now it, it's a a wild, wild west in the West. You know, everybody's one and one except Wisconsin. So it's going to be a fun race to see what happens down the stretch. I think also, you know, I, I want to go real quick to Nebraska, Indiana, who's Nebraska now one and one also in the Big Ten. I know it's Indiana, but I mean that that game hung in the balance to the fourth quarter. You know, it's twenty one twenty one. Nebraska. I think some of the fears of oh gosh, are we going to lose this game the way we've lost all these other games? And Nebraska is, you know, they finished a game against a Big Ten team. Off of a bye week. Scott Frost was 0-4 off of bye weeks. Or maybe 0-3. Because I don't know if they, there were bye weeks during COVID. But he was did not have a win off of a bye week. As the Nebraska head football coach. Mickey Joseph gets a win. And I don't care that it was Indiana. Nebraska won the football game. That's important. <laughs> Winning is obviously important. Right? And so I'm very, very stoked for Nebraska and their fans, even if Mickey Joseph is just an interim. Good on him. He took responsibility. He's coaching his guys up. He's preaching leadership. That's a big win for Nebraska and their program. It it just is. And for Indiana, you know, I said before, they were a 1-3 team. That was 3-1. Indiana is is... I think they're going to struggle the rest of the way. But you know what? Credit to them. They really fought hard. You know, I think that's a trademark of Tom Allen teams. I, I think they're going to be a tough out for some folks, right? Like Michigan State, I think is that's going to be a tough out. Rutgers, tough out. You know, I think it's still possible Indiana gets to a bowl game. I, I just think they've got to scrap and claw to get there. But, again, great, great win by Nebraska. 
you know, tough out or tough loss for Indiana. But I do think there's there there's potential wins on the schedule still for Indiana the way that Tom Allen has them playing. Um, speaking of Michigan State, Michigan State lost to Maryland. Again, I think Mer- Michigan State is on the cusp of maybe missing out on a bowl, right? They're 2-3. and three. They're 0-2 in the Big Ten, certainly not where they thought they would be. I just want to say, though, a lot of people are giving Michigan State a, a lot of junk for the way they paid Mel Tucker after, after the, the season last year. Say, oh, I can't believe they gave him $95 million. I've said it before, and I will say it till the blue in the face. Mel Tucker, I don't want to say he deserved every dollar because $95 million to coach a, a, a sport is ridiculous. But in terms of the way the market is, he he absolutely should have gotten that money. He absolutely should have gotten it. What he did last year, people do not understand what he did last year. He took a team that probably should have won two games last year and took them to a New Year's Six Bowl and beat Michigan. That's absurd. It's absurd. And we're seeing now why it was absurd. Because they don't have talent. They're not very good. Their secondary is trash. Like, they're, they are, and I, I don't mean to disrespect players, it's just those, that, that side of the ball has not been good. And he is trying to build it back up through the transfer portal, through recruiting. And they've had a couple, I think, some decent recruiting classes. It's just, they need time and he's he's done a good job of the short term fix from last year, but this is this is a rough rough uh, work in progress. And the transfers he brought in this year are not nearly as good as the ones he brought in last year, right? Kenneth Walker the third, he's not walking through that door. And Jalen Berger and Jared Broussard, not the same guys. Like they're just not. And Peyton Thorne played out of his mind last year, but really he's he's not that good. Like he's not. He's not a top five quarterback in, in the Big Ten. He's just not. And that's okay. Right? I think Peyton Thorne is serviceable. Like, I think he can do good things at times, but he's inconsistent. Like, he's not C.J. Stroud. He's not Bryce Young. He's not, speaking of, in Michigan State terms, he's not Connor Cook. He's not Kirk Cousins. Like, they need a better quarterback. And that's, like, he's not Brian Lewerke. Brian Lewerke wasn't great, but, you know, Peyton Thorne, he has great, he has good to great moments, and then there are times where it's just like, eee. And their defense is compromised, and they face a lot of teams this year that have good receivers that can attack that secondary. So I, I think for Michigan State, they're in trouble. I think Maryland could possibly get to nine wins. I think the the game against Purdue this week is is really pivotal. But listen, Maryland's Maryland's good. Maryland's really good. You know they got a couple of uh, really good running backs: Hemby, Littleton. Their receiving core is is really good. Tagovailoa, when he doesn't make the dumb mistake, is really good. Uh, I think I think Maryland Purdue might be the game of the week in the Big Ten next week. Uh, I'm excited. I'm really excited for that game. Uh, I'll get to, to Penn State Northwestern just very quickly. Penn State, I, I'm concerned about Penn State. 
I think they were sloppy. Obviously, it was a sloppy game, a lot of bad weather. And look, I know Pat Fitzgerald, once he gets into Big Ten play, he knows how to junk up teams. But Penn State has more talent. And I, I, they, if my concern is that they could not run the ball at will against a team that's not very good. They couldn't run the ball at will. And I am concerned for when they get to the stretch of Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State. You know, they they need to rely a bit on the running game there to to set up the pass. If they can't run the ball, it's over. And I'm just I'm just saying it to Penn State faithful. They need that offensive line and that running game to go. And if they can't get it going against, I, I think Minnesota, they they probably can they can get away with it. Against Michigan and Ohio State, it ain't going to work. Like, it's just not. And, and I think part of it is Clifford's inconsistent. But you really need that running game to go if Penn State is going to hit their true potential. And if that's what it's going to look like, I, again, I know the weather's bad. But they've got to they've got to shore up that offensive line for when they, they play those three games in succession. That starts after this bye week. So Penn State's got a lot to work on. Uh, Michigan and Iowa, I I think my takeaway is Michigan is really good. I'm still not convinced they're elite. I think Iowa's defense is overrated. Like, they're good. Like, they're good. They're not great. The The defensive line is not, is not particularly elite. The back seven's really, really good. But I thought Iowa's defensive line... You know, I, I, I just don't think they're – like, I thought they were getting pushed around all game. And Michigan's offensive line is really, really good. Like, they might be a, like, they might be the best offensive line in the country. If not, they're a top five offensive line in the country. But I, I think just to it, – it's not just the Michigan game that concerns me about Iowa. Like, Iowa struggled again uh, – you know, you look at the, the yardage that they gave up to Rutgers. Like, Rutgers' offense is not – particularly dangerous you know but they gave up 361 yards to to Rutgers and granted they didn't run the ball particularly well but their running backs Manungai and Brown they had 12 carries for 59 yards and that's 60 you know that's five yards a carry you know they had a few other carries you know a few other ball carriers particularly their uh their quarterback who had four carries for zero yards. Uh, they had another back for four carries and eight yards. So, and Johnny Langan, who came into the Wildcat, that they were able to stuff out. But if you just straight running back runs, 12 carries for 59 yards. And that's that's almost five yards a carry. It's small sample size, but I just, I'm not convinced that Iowa's defensive line is all that great. And aside from that, like they played Iowa State, who's okay. They played South Dakota State, who's not good. They played Nevada, who just flat out stinks. So I I feel like I don't have a good read on Iowa's defense, quite honestly. I think they're good. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm I'm not convinced by their defensive line. And I thought I think Michigan. Ran the ball well. I think J.J. McCarthy was patient 
He does a really good job, job on the run. But I, I will be honest, I, I think the Maryland game is the only real test that they've had so far. And, like, I'm still not sure about Michigan. I think they're really good. I don't think they're elite. And and part of it is it felt like, and I felt this way against Maryland too, that there's still, part of it is I think J.J. McCarthy's still getting used to being the full-time quarterback. So do I think Michigan can be elite? I do. I'm not sure they can for two reasons. One, I'm not sure that their offense, I, like, I, I think Iowa's defense is really good. I, I think it's hard when Iowa's not doing anything defensively or offensively. Um, I, and I'm also not convinced that Michigan, I, I want to see Michigan play a two-dimensional team, which they did to some degree at Maryland, but they Maryland spotted them seven points early in that game. So what happens if Maryland doesn't spot them seven points at the beginning of that game? So I I still think Michigan is a step or two below Ohio State. I think Penn State is a step or two below Michigan. And I think everybody else is five steps below <laughs> the that, that next tier. Let's talk about Ohio State Rutgers. You know, I'm not going to talk about the fake punt. It's a non-starter. It was dumb. I don't care about it. Um... You can find coverage on it everywhere else. Rutgers, uh, Rutgers has improved. First of all, I think Rutgers is a better team than they this year than they have been over the past few years. They had a lot of injuries coming into this game. So did Ohio State. Ohio State was it without uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba out without Travion Henderson. They were without. Cam Brown, one of their top corners, and they were without Tanner McAllister for most of the game. So, like, a lot of key starters. I also thought Ohio State played, quite honestly, bad. Like, it was their C-minus, D-plus game. Like, C.J. Stroud... At one point, C.J. Stroud threw in a quadruple coverage, and it was picked. Emeka Ibuka tried to make a, like, a over-the-shoulder catch on a punt while the wind was swirling, and... They fumbled because, of course, you would. Like it was, it was a really, really dumb play, and that was Rutgers' points. It was ten points off those two turnovers, and it did nothing else. And Ohio State put up forty-nine points by just handing the ball off, and when it was, you know, taking a little bit that was there, and that's it. And. Ohio State, they didn't cover the spread. They pushed on it. The final spread was 39 points. They pushed on the spread while looking terrible. And my thought is, you know, a year ago they played Tulsa and they played terrible. And they they could have lost that game. It was a four-quarter game. Ohio State just, especially offensively, just looked janky all game. And they still won by 39. Compare that to Georgia, who was, I mean, they did not play well at all. And they almost lost to Missouri. And Missouri's probably a little better than Rutgers, but is they're not that much better than Rutgers. I don't know who I'd pick in that, actually, if I'd pick Rutgers or Missouri. But, like, they're not good. 
And, like, they really struggled. Ohio State, I mean, they dominated Rutgers. And they spotted they spotted them 10 points. They quite honestly looked – I mean, they, they were sleepwalking through it. And they, they sleptwalked to a 39-point victory. And my point in this is simply this. I think the people who think that Ohio State is, you know, not very good because, oh, well, they only beat Notre Dame by 11. And, oh, they – who have they played? Yada, yada, yada. Listen, just understand, Ohio State has not played it all to their full potential. And they're crushing teams. What happens when JSN comes back? What happens when Travion Henderson comes back? What happens when they get their secondary players back? Like, I, I'm not saying Ohio State's going to win a title. I'm not even saying they're going to win the Big Ten. But Ohio State can beat anybody. Anybody. If they play their A game. And I don't think that's that's a... I don't think that's too out there to say. I, I think it's it's absurd that they only have 10 first place votes in the AP poll this week. And like, I get Alabama has, you know, they, they just beat a top 25 team. Georgia beat Oregon early in the season. I'm just saying, Ohio State's coming and when they play their A game, like, don't be surprised if Ohio State beats Penn State by four scores. I'm not saying they will, but don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if they beat Michigan by five scores. I'm not saying it will. They will because I think Michigan can beat them. I think Penn State can beat them. But if they play their A game, don't be surprised because this is a monster. And if the monster's woken up, they're going to decimate everybody. And I know it's Rutgers. And everybody's saying, even Rutgers fans might say, well, we're not that good. It's not about Rutgers. It's about what Ohio State did when they sleptwalked. Penn State, when they sleptwalked and it was crappy conditions, they won by 10 to a really bad Northwestern, a Northwestern team. Right? Ohio State, it was windy. (laughs) It was really windy. They did not play well, and they still won by 39. Just saying, watch out. Because the the monster is coming. The monster is coming. That's it for the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Um, leave a review. Sorry I went a little long. I think the particularly the Paul Chris part, I I just I had to I, I didn't intend to go full rant, but I did. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Paul Christ. And uh, if you think that he should have been fired or not. I, I, I'm not nearly close enough to the situation to know the internal politics of it. But would love to hear your thoughts. Drop a review. Retweet us uh, on Twitter. Uh, send me messages. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless.